Welcome to Unleashing Your Inner Man through powerful communication with your host, Tom Johnson III, bringing real conversations and practical tools to help you be the man you are meant to be. This is Tom Johnson III from Unleashing Your Inner Man. Thank you for listening. I always appreciate it when you listen and get something from these podcasts. As always, I hope you get at least one thing from this uh, discussion that improves the quality of your life or someone else's. Now, today's guest is Brooke Wolf. Amazing, amazing person. Allow me to introduce her. So Brooke, from the age of 22 years of age, founded and ran a three-profit non-story with 22 programs and five partnership agencies with a $500,000 annual budget. She has studied multiple religions and has trained since childhood in different modalities. Modalities are just different ways to um, connect and be treated, such as tarot cards, psychic development, NLP, hypnotherapy, astral projection, Thai massage, massage therapy, shiatsu, and shamanic journey. journey. Essentially, uh, Brooke is a learning junkie and loves to use her skills and gifts to help other people, and this is what she's been doing for 20, more than 20 years. Brooke, thank you for joining. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so, I'm so, I'm so happy you're here. Um, Okay, everyone, first I'm going to, I'm going to throw in my personal reason why I'm so excited to have Brooke on here. Um, if you've been watching my Facebook videos, I know you should know I went through an identity crisis some years ago. And during that time, I was so lost that I ended up hugging a tree and having a 45 minute conversation with myself. And I was so freaked out about what other people would think about this that I, I was literally shaking, like inside, it felt like my soul was shaking, like, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't tell anyone. And I came across Brooke and she's like, yeah, I had a tree as a friend. My best friend was a kid, was a, a tree. We talked all the time and I was like, oh my God, it's okay. It's okay to hug a tree and talk to it, oh my God. So that was the first, um, what's the word? My first uh, realization in the middle of an identity crisis when I thought about killing myself, that it's okay to talk about what you're going through. Keep that in mind, whatever you're going through. It's okay to talk about it. Yes, right. So huge thing for me, huge thing for me. That's why I'm so excited to have Brooke. And also, um, on one more note, at that point, I was very, very, um, very, no, very, very, there is no higher power. There's, 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 there's just science only. There's nothing, all that. And then Brooke's all about dragons and unicorns and healing and all that, you know, tree hugging hippie crap that like the hippies, you know, smoke LSD and did. And when I was exposed to this, I was like, oh my God, it's like the same thing, just with different words and kind of a different format. That's all it was. And, you know, it's all the same, just um, in different words. So this completely blew open my world. And this is why I'm so excited right now. So, because my life is so much better because of Brooke. <laughs> Thank you, Brooke. <laughs> Yeah, no problem. Okay. I think so. also, also, you know, uh, just like with me being a tree hugging hippie, I'm just gonna. Bring it. <laughs> but like, also, you know, with us ever talking, I think I am someone who grew up with all religions, so I did have an understanding and empathy towards any person's 
space of choice, which mm. makes it also a lot more inviting. I think there's definitely the hippie and green screening community that can almost be divisive in these, you know, where there's also ones that are a bit more inviting, you know, and I think that might be what differentiated me to the herd of other people into alternative medicines and therapies. Yeah, freaking, yeah. Um, <laughs> I will say Brooke has been a role model for me personally to develop understanding for other people. Just in um, being in her uh, Facebook community, um, I saw so much like understanding. I was like, oh my God, how do I do that? <laughs> and then through my own process, I figured it out. So um, Brooke is the um, creator of emotional body mapping. This is a thing she made um, based on the introduction I gave you, so much uh, studying, experience, and like just caring for people and just wanting to make people's lives better. So we're going to kind of dive into that a little bit. So to help the, the listeners and viewers, Brooke, what is your personal definition of emotional body mapping? Yes, so I usually try to just break it down by the three words, you know, and it's like emotional body and map, right? So it's if we could actually discover the map of our own body and where we store root trauma, right? So just take the essentially the name of it and go backwards, right? So map body emotions. <laughs> Okay. Right. So I feel like that's the easiest way, but essentially in um, both now, nowadays, the even Western medicine has started to see that like the gut is a second brain and we can store trauma, uh, meditation and these kind of practices are now seen as helping physical illness <laughs> and people are starting to see where mindfulness plays a role. Emotional body mapping is just more focused on the Eastern medicine because with Chinese medicine, the liver is connected to anger and it's just like, well, that's just how it's been for 2,500 years. So yeah, yeah. it doesn't need as much like justification or proof. But essentially emotional body mapping isn't something new in that way. I am just taking a bunch of different modalities, a bunch of different healing um, tools and then smashing them together in this kind of insane way that you've received before <laughs> yes 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 I, I i must say uh brooke was my personal one-on-one -on -one coach for two months or so and and off and on we've communicated back and forth and yeah yeah it's it's really it's really awesome and it works <laughs> Simply put. so um yeah um i i will say from personal experience the um with any, with emotional body, body mapping in particular, the easiest thing to recognize is where you're feeling physical pain or physical discomfort. So um, can you give like maybe what are some common emotions? Um, sure. And where, where in the body they're located? Yeah, so I like to use terms that we use on a day-to-day -day basis for like our first-time examples because we're already using them, like carrying the weight of the world on our shoulders, right? Or butterflies in the stomach. We have a lot of these like 
you're a pain in my, we can say two different places usually, mm-hmm. ass or head, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And so we start realizing that we already are using these terms. We're just not really clarifying that this is actually happening. You know, like when my heart is broken, I have chest pain, mm-hmm. right? Like, and I'm sure that anyone who's been through any kind of real relationship has had a heart issue you know like on some level we've all like had this moment where we shrugged our shoulders we leaned forward we tried to hide our heart like we were standing and sitting in a different position during those times of sadness so of course your body's going to end up having physical tension so emotion does create these just based off of our natural position so you know um i usually say that the the shoulders are like the burdens like carrying the burdens of you know uh in chinese medicine it's always split down the middle for masculine and feminine but that doesn't necessarily mean man or woman but the qualities of masculine and feminine and i don't want to get too detailed there that can go like that's a whole really, video yeah you know that's yeah, yeah. And then we have to talk about bilary and all that kind of stuff. But um, so, but the hips and kind of the belly is kind of where we store fear and safety. So that kind of like nervous, you know, butterflies in the stomach, that's kind of where that fear is held, where, you know, the chest, I would say, is where sadness or like giving or compassion and all that kind of stuff is held. Uh, our feet, it's very easy, like grounding, right? Like <laughs> we are connected first and foremost to the earth. So if you don't feel like you're grounded, very often it's, those moments are when you start stubbing your toes and doing too much too fast and kind of making little mistakes all over the place. And usually your feet start hurting because you're just moving around too much, right? So this all makes sense even if you take it to actionable things that you're doing on a lifestyle on your quality of your lifestyle mm-hmm. was that helpful yeah yeah it's like so like um for example feeling grounded um oh what's what do i like to do one of my things is to take these abstract terms and kind of bring them into people who haven't experienced them before so you were talking about stubbing toes and um that so would be if, the opposite of grounded. <laughs> right, right, right. So basically, if you feel like you got a million things to do and your mind's going crazy while you're trying to figure out what to do next and you don't have it written down and you're, you're um, just Maybe all you over the place. Maybe you have sleep problems. Maybe that's also a problem because usually if your mind is overreactive, you're also having issues sleeping. These are So you're awake at night just thinking about what you're doing the next day. That's yeah. going to be happening. So if you feel calm and cool and you're like, yeah, you're grounded. Um, anything else, you're not grounded. I mean, I'm, I'm, there are various uh, levels between the two extremes. Um, and sometimes it's just situational too, right? Where like, for example, right now I'm going through transition, you know, in my life. So I'm about to move to the other side of the world. I'm not grounded and that's okay. 
like there's also those moments of like there is not going to be a way if like you're between jobs or you're between like you're getting a divorce like these kind of things there's not you're probably going to wake up every day not feeling grounded and you're going to have to probably do more actionable steps to at least be grounded for the day you know, but yeah, it's never yeah. going to be completely like, this is a great time to make big decisions in life. Maybe mm. it's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's kind of like, um, I mean, every morning we wake up and it's like we're a different person. And sometimes we wake up and we're like, oh my God, I just had the best sleep in the world. And you're completely calm and well rested. Like that is an example of being grounded. Um, sometimes we wake up and we're like, oh, fuck. Uh, I don't want to get up. Oh my God, I have to do this, 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 this. You're already not grounded. I, sometimes you just wake up that way. And as Brooke said, sometimes you just need to ground yourself, which could be meditation or taking deep breaths or... Taking a walk around a block. Yeah, taking... Take, yeah. Not using technology immediately out of bed. Um, giving um, yourself some time to ask yourself... How am I feeling before you connect to anyone or anything? Mm, <laughs> you know, yeah. some simple like checking in with self. And I don't, I do think we're an era of technology where picking up your phone right out of bed is pretty normal, you know? Mm. And, and that's definitely not giving yourself time to even know what you are, right? So, step one is what am I feeling? <laughs> Yeah, I'm just gonna add for this is what I've seen the most via the internet and from my personal experience is um, people say yes, but I use my phone as an alarm or I use it for whatever XYZ sure. um, alarm clock. I mean, this is this is my opinion. You know, a lot of people they're paying they're doing a payment plan for their phone. You know, the computer in their hand. Um, any listener out there, this is my personal advice. Um, we, you know, you pay like whatever, 30 bucks a month to have this computer on a loan. Go to like the local store, whatever store you have and find the alarm clock that just goes They're like, I don't know, anywhere between, I'm gonna say US dollars, $10 and under. And so that's just my personal opinion. Turn your phone off and keep it off for at least two hours. Yeah, yeah. So. And at least like off, don't touch it an hour before you go to bed either. I think that that's part of what makes people have issues sleeping is because the technology right before they go to bed. But yeah, I totally said to lots of my clients, buy an alarm clock. But also another way is like a lot of people are waking up at the same time every day. And the truth is, is your body is used to it. And truthfully, you're probably going to wake up without an alarm clock if you're used to five days a week waking up at the same time try one day just give yourself like you know and see if you even need one because if you're a person who's already jumping at the phone you're naturally like your brain is already ready to be done with dreaming and open your eyes so i think the best way is to train yourself truthfully without an alarm clock and if there is some sort of routine or schedule in your life that's not that difficult i will personally attest to this um i don't use an alarm clock at all um mm -hmm. and i also have a morning routine so i have something to look i know what i'm gonna do in the morning 
Um, a lot of something that keeps us up in the, um, something that keeps us from going to bed the night before is worrying about something we have to do or something we don't want to do. And so if we just like, I'm going to wake up, I'm going to drink some water and have some coffee and, or something simple. If you have like that certainty in your life, just a little certainty, it's a, it's a whole world of difference. Doesn't have to be more than a five minute thing, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just a, yeah. It's it's the uncertainty that keeps keeps us up at night, or um, keeps us worried. Okay, so um, so we talked about the emotions and ah, um, so you mentioned this a little bit. You you talked about you know asking yourself what am I feeling today. So I was like, what? How can we like uh, um, proactively check for emotions after we wake up in the morning? and the message that they are trying to communicate to us. So usually I try not to do any kind of deep work in the morning personally. So like what I try to do in the morning is just tune in so that I can later at the end of the day do a bit more of a deeper cataloging, if you will, of what's going on. But usually what I do in the beginning of the day is just see if I have tension without giving it any kind of um, like discernment or sitting with it too much or giving it any kind of category because sometimes if I just know what it is, it naturally does the work throughout the day. So I don't have to do as much. Plus I want to stay usually in the morning, it's the time where you have the most ability to manifest what you want, manifest goodness. You, you have the most clarity of the most ability to stay in a positive mindset. And so if I start examining what is this tension, I may not stay in that positive mindset. So I'm going to do my best to actually visualize what I want the day to be and like what I hope it to be more than like, Ooh, why am I still carrying my mother's shit on my arm? You know, like, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, like yeah, yeah. you know, I might just dissect that at the end of the day, day. Okay. so that I could like sleep comfortably, not thinking about it. The other reason that I do check in and tune into my body pains in the beginning of the day is I personally am one to take on other people's stuff quite often because i have empathy i think it's not about being an empath this is like a term that's like shouted out way too much but i feel it's more just having empathy it's very easy to then take on because really having empathy is just having a shared connection of like oh that emotion i know what that emotion is maybe that emotion's mine too because i've had that you know and then you just go throughout the day doing that so if i check in with my body in the beginning of the day and let's say i didn't work out or i didn't hurt myself and at the end of the day i have a new tension that's more then i might examine who did i hang out with today Uh, what and what were they talking about and what kind of shared energy did we have? Oh, is this even mine? Is this pain that I'm carrying right now even mine? So that's a really quick and easy way of saying, oh, wait, this isn't mine. I don't need it. And then I don't even have to examine 
or do any more discernment later. Now, if I do have that tension at the end of the day and it wasn't about meeting anyone or that doesn't make any sense, like I went through those questions and now it's like, well, actually I was just by myself all day and now I feel worse, (laughs) you know? Then I start to ask more questions like, okay, is the pain in my shoulders? Is it in my chest or my stomach? And I kind of use those three as kind of the base. If it's in my shoulders and my neck, then I know I'm kind of carrying anger. If it's in my chest and my back, then I know I'm carrying sadness on some level. And if it's in my hips and my belly, I'm carrying some sort of fear. And so personally, at the end of the day, what I would do, um, and I usually do this for 30 days, twice a year. So like every six months or so, just kind of as like a in-house cleaning, if you will, of like the, if you're not a monk, then you're like taking on micro traumas all day long, you know, like it's happening, like the world has fucked up things, part of my, you know, French, I swear all the time but you know that and you invited me (laughs) so um so in this case so now let's say you've like dissected it was in your shoulders and neck um what i recommend for this particular exercise is not to necessarily ask questions but again just let yourself have it Right. Like, so very, especially with anger, we're not really given a lot of places in society to be angry. And a lot of our ideas of what anger is, is just volatile Mm. and not necessarily a healthy form of anger. Mm. But having a personal control over your anger couldn't be any healthier. Right. So if you give yourself this time and space to be angry, then you're now learning how to have control over your emotions, which is essentially what we all want. Right. So not to necessarily derail the emotion, but just to have power over the perspective. Right. Mm -hmm. Power over the place, space, time, all Mm -hmm. these things. Mm, mm, mm. so um for anger i just recommend screaming into a pillow for 30 seconds <laughs> while you're thinking about something angry or pounding down um onto a couch or a bed depending upon like how you can do it but really to like release those shoulders thinking about the actual emotion that a shoulder would make because it literally is going to release the tension because usually when we're angry what do cartoons do they go like this and we tend to do this too not knowing we're doing that when we get in i'm just so angry you know so like everything up here gets tense so actually doing this motion or this motion releases literally the tension in your body on top of it you're allowing that emotion to not be caring (laughs) Mm -hmm. by you anymore, you know, you can let it go, right? So, and I only recommend um, for any kind of release or any time we want to surface things, I do recommend it to be at a level seven. Um, I know that you know what that means. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make it a little bit more specific, but we Mm -hmm. tend to do things at a level 10 right? Like we work hard, we play hard, we do everything hard, you know, but healing isn't hard. 
And it can't be. Healing is like a slow opening door, a creaking door opening. That, and it just kind of slowly happens. It's not like, and one day I was healed. You know, right, it's right, like, right, right. a slow, slow process. So you can't like release like an extreme way and then think that that's going to be productive. In fact, it's going to probably be counterproductive because it mimics the trauma instead of a release. Mm-hmm. So you want to learn what is a level seven? What's like a little bit more than halfway? Like it's not super comfortable. It's a little uncomfortable, but mm-hmm. it's not crazy, right? Mm-hmm. So like you gotta find that, that fine tune of what is releasing feeling when it's just a little uncomfortable for me. And so that's why for the screaming or the pounding for anger specifically, I really recommend only doing it for like 30 seconds at a time, only three times max. If you want to go back to like leveling your nervous system, like calming and breathing, wait till your heart rate gets to a baseline. You could do that two or three times, but I wouldn't go past that in a night, even if you feel like your neck and your shoulders weren't released, then just continue on the following night. If you overexert yourself on a healing, you're going to end up having worse pain and worse tension. Mm-hmm. And that's how you know that you did it too much. If you, if you ever feel like after an emotional release, super tired, then you probably have overworked yourself. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in here with some uh, personal experience uh, I personally had of this. And well, first I'll tie this into, for those who have been listening to the podcast, uh, episode five, Tyson Adams mentioned beating the crap out of uh, pillows or screaming into a pillow with, for anger, releasing anger. So it's the same, same thing Brooks is mentioning here. Um, another thing that is helpful is uh, it's, uh, interval training um, with exercise, which just might be an elliptical machine, not not pushing yourself to die, but like pushing yourself, uh, quote unquote, hard for say 30 to 45 seconds. And then for one minute, nice and slow, like you're taking a walk and then do it, do it for like 30 minutes, re- repeat over and you. So you're like, you're recently releasing the tension and then taking your time. You might still have some more tension. So you do, you'll know, you know, if you fall off dead, you did it too much. Um, I like interval training. That's a great yeah. idea. Yeah, it's um, it's um, it, it, it it's it's all about the whole <laughs> expansion and contraction of the universe. That's another. I video. wouldn't recommend. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend like punching a punching bag or these kind of things unless you have been a boxer forever, because these kind of things you actually could hurt yourself. Because mm. if you're like really trying to release anger and you don't have correct alignment with your hand and the wrist is crooked or overturned like you're gonna end up hurting yourself so when you do these interval training just pick something that you do you know jumping jacks like ellipticals like you know that you you know you can't hurt yourself like don't try doing like 10 deadlifts in a row (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm going to t- completely correlate this to e- emotional healing. Uh, when I first learned about um, EFT, which is called emotional freedom tapping, basically you tap certain point acupuncture points on your body and you tell yourself a story. Um, basically, I have this belief. Maybe it's um, I hate my father. I whatever it is, I um, I'm not responsible, whatever it is. And you, you say, okay, what was happening when I formed this belief? What was going on? 
and then it comes up. And then if it's something big, uh, uh, Brooke was talking about root trauma, if it's one of those like childhood events, which if you watch my Facebook videos, I'm all about like, I'm like, you're a child, these things happen. Ooh, let's explore um, um, to, to bring understanding to other people because we all experience it. Um, let me get back here. Anyway, I did this for a month, four hours every day. I, I, I tapped like every day for four hours. And when I was done, I was like, okay, let's do more. Let's get more, more, let's get more root trauma out. And I was so exhausted that I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to um, um, figure out my anger, my guilt, my shame. I didn't want to stand up. I, so um, at that point, as I learned with Brooke, I was all about no pain, no gain. And I thought, oh, if I'm in pain, it means I'm growing, which is a certain extent it can be true if it's something's uncomfortable. But dear God, do not tap yourself for uh, 30 straight days, four hours a day. I would say comfortably uncomfortable, not uncomfortably comfortable. Comfortably uh, uncomfortable, yeah. So, right, yeah. that's a little bit sweeter. It's just a little bit sweeter in that yeah. direction. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, definitely. Ah, uh, yeah. But so powering here, through, we all do it. Like, uh, yeah, powering through. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, we power through. We power through whatever. We're like, no, I'm greater than this. Nothing will stop me. I am more powerful than my mind. Anyone who's out there, this works in like a short burst of like. That's like, I'll give you 10 minutes um, after that. Uh, well, yeah, I'll just stick there. Um, and then after that, you just burn yourself out and you're going to be less productive in the long term. So productive all the time, working hard is a load of bullshit. So don't believe it. Yeah, I would say any kind of things shouldn't really exceed about 10 minutes. Like when you're doing kind of like facing emotion work, it's going to happen pretty fast. 10 minutes is a good amount of time to face anything, give it a controlled space where it's a, a little bit of a push and gentle because try doing a 10 minute speech like that's long like so you know doing it with yourself or yeah. trying to surface some heavy heavy stuff like that's a long time to surface stuff if anyone can see this on youtube if this video is up yet yeah I, they just saw my face go and it's totally true totally true oh my god Oh my God, memories. <laughs> that was an intense October. <laughs> I remember that month. <laughs> oh, it's great. Going so, to be October soon. Yeah, it is. Oh my God, it's been that long. Because this was like years ago. This wasn't just like one or two years ago. Wow. That's amazing. Whew. No. Oh my God. This, yeah, this is way before we even met. So, um, um, what was I going to say? Oh, childhood trauma. Oh my God. The thing, the thing I love, the thing I learn, I learned about the most myself personally, um, through my healing journey, healing journey, if you will call it that. Um, as everyone knows, seriously hit my Facebook page. Every single video is like about my toy, little toy, Johnny and all his childhood experiences and how that affects him as an adult in certain situations with his partner. Check it out. Okay, nice, uh, shameless plug. And okay, now, Brooke, for you, what is, uh, I mean, trauma is kind of a broad word. Um, trauma, there's 
blunt physical trauma um, is the, the phrase that comes to mind. Physical trauma is probably the more commonly known phrase in, I'll use the society word, which I really don't like that word because it's so abstract and doesn't make sense. And generally people know about physical trauma. You have a bruise, that's physical trauma. You broke your leg, that's physical trauma. Um, you've, been, uh, you've been involved in domestic violence, that is physical trauma. Can you go into the more emotional trauma part of this? Can you explain that? Sure. I feel like trauma has become a word too, as of late, kind of like the word trigger, where people are triggered by it. <laughs> but so, and the truth is about trauma personally, there is micro trauma and macro trauma. And I would say, like all forms of trauma, even if we were going to take it physically, like, you know, a paper cut is trauma to the body just as much as, um, you know, getting your leg cut off. I know that that sounds like insane, but your body's nervous system reacts to both of them almost the same. So <laughs> it goes into the same mode. It's just one, uh, something else might happen over a period of time if your leg's still bleeding, blah, blah, blah. Other synapses start to, yeah, 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 to yeah. trigger. But the first trigger is always the same. So the same thing happens to like any kind of emotional trigger, whether or not it's the first time you got called up your name in school and some like teacher like called you up to the like the front of the classroom or it's the first time you had a boner and you didn't know what to do with, do with it. it. What's this guy? <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> I'm 12. Like, yeah, you know, like these kind of things, first wet dream, like any kind of situation where you're just like pretty much in a, a, some sort of emotional shock, right? Mm. And, and then obviously it can be as severe as like verbal abuse for years, right? But I would actually say the larger traumas people tend to work on because they're like in your face, right? Having an abusive verbally, even a verbally abusive parent is an obvious one. Like, so we as adults tend to like be like, oh, well, I had an abusive parent. That wasn't okay. I'm not going to be like that, right? On some levels, like we do these kind of basic things. But what we may not notice is, oh, I had an abusive parent. Now I have a sugar addiction. Like, and then didn't realize that we created a new trauma. You know, like, oh, I have, like, yeah, assault, I'm an alcoholic, like, these kind of things happen very often to those who do go through, like, childhood abuse or of any kind, verbal or physical, you know, so this is the, the, the trauma is what is stored in the body over a period of time, like, whether it be physical or emotional. I'm, I'm going to, the sugar addiction came up. I used to have one of these actually. And um, whether you purposely said that or not, I don't know. I'll say yes and thank you. So I can contribute to this conversation. And um, I actually found out um, through, through this, uh, asking these questions, like I eat sugar. Why is that? Why do I feel this need to eat sugar? What happens when I feel the need? It was usually around some kind of uh, someone raising their voice. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then I traced it all back to like, I think I was like, 
I was like either one or two, I forgot the exact age. And my parents had like a fight and that's what it all traced back to. So the, the two things are so far apart, but they're completely connected. But a lot of the time it's like multiple occasions, you know, it's like a developed habit very often. It's not just like one occasion that a lot of people have it. It's more like every time there was a breakup, there was always food. Every time there was like their parents yelled at them, they had a secret like thing in their closet of chocolate that they would go in their room and eat the chocolate. Like it would become an every time therapy tool. Right. So that's essentially like where addiction comes in. Right. It's not a one time thing. It's a this has become a tool for me instead of healing, like mm-hmm. instead of doing yeah. the work. Because and sometimes it's not because it's not conscious. So, again, like I'm going to be really clear that like I am not shaming or blaming anyone who do, does do the distractions. So anyone who is like watching this, like this is not a, a shame or judgment. We aren't conscious until we're conscious. Like, and all of us are unconscious of lots of things going on in our life, me included. Hmm. So I think that this is like an uncovering throughout our life. There's no way to be conscious in the brain at all times with everything that's going on. So, and until you have that moment, you're going to be doing it unconsciously. So, you know, like, just be happy when you become conscious of it. You know, because then you can do something with it. But yeah, don't yeah. judge yourself that, oh, my God, it's been so many years and I've been doing this. Why did I just learn it now? Oh, my God. You know, because I've definitely heard that situation, too. Like, mm. that's not going to get you there any faster if you just start judging yourself for how old you are, at what age you're realizing something finally for the first time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, oh, yeah, there's, yeah. That, that's a, oh my god there's like I, I have like ideas for like four or five different videos just talking to you <laughs> I mean yeah like we, we touch on these subjects and um yeah not knowing what's going on and like oh my god judge 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 um it's because you were judged as a kid in those moments probably um or you felt you were um, or you were judged by some kids in school you were judging yeah, yourself yeah, yeah. or like I personally like my whole family was not very academically intelligent but I still judge myself for my academics all the time nobody else judged me I was the smartest in my class all the time like it's all on me you know like so I don't think it always has to stem from something as much as it was a pattern that you did once like Mm -hmm. and now it's a pattern and until you it's gonna be a pattern until you want it not to be a pattern or you notice that it's a pattern and then you want to shift it we're essentially just giant computers right so if we can recognize like humans love pattern Mm -hmm. like what are the patterns i'm doing and which ones serve me and which ones don't it takes a, a while to like actually shift out of it Hmm. sometimes you think you did and you didn't and you're like oh wait oh i tricked myself yeah yeah uh yeah um i can totally relate to that i was i was very academically good like very good very i was i was very good at school it was um and until it wasn't that long ago, maybe a couple of years ago, I was like, there's always more to learn. I must be the best 
at whatever I'm doing before I can um, do something else with it. I must learn. And then it's like, oh my God, there's so much information out there. How irrational was this belief? And it's like, yeah, it's like, you have to, you have to always have, you have to be the A plus player. There can only be one kind of belief. Mm, It works in competitive sports in the short term. Otherwise you're going to wreck your body. Um, Same thing works emotionally or mentally, mentally, I guess is the word. Um, If you think you have to be the best all the time when it comes to learning. Yeah. Like the best is relative, right? So like, it's kind of like the four agreements, do your best is one of them. And it's really learning what best is and relative to terms of yourself and not to anyone else. Right. So like, I think competition is awesome if it's competing with myself mm-hmm. uh, because otherwise like I'd probably be pretty lazy like but mm-hmm. I don't think competition is awesome amongst one another mm-hmm. unless it's for play like a game like yeah, sport yeah, yeah. Yeah. but let's not take it too serious even mm-hmm. sport <laughs> yeah 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 um who, who said that I personally learned the, the quote, um, on, only compare yourself to your past self. And from Jordan Peterson's where I heard it. Um, and I was like, wow, the first time I heard that, I was like, it just blew my mind. And I was like, oh my God, that makes so much sense. So this is why reflection is an important tool in life. Um, so, um, so we've been talking about trauma. It's in the body. We don't know. We don't know what's going on. Sometimes we judge ourselves. We all have our different things that we uh, beliefs and traumas and whatnot. Um, what are some like common steps that you've been involved in um, to to heal or resolve these childhood traumas? I mean, other than doing emotional body mapping. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, for me, it was a number of different tools throughout my life. Like I am a lifestyle learner, you know, so like you, I thought that I needed to learn everything and I took it pretty seriously. (laughs) And I have learned a lot, you know, going from like, for me, like starting in the world of the arts, like was really helpful for my creative brain. And I think because I grew up by faith and was already um, aware of like study all the religions so that you can find your own um, so that you could really explore in that way. I think the same goes is there's no shortcuts um, for like healing your trauma either because it really is about seeing multiple perspectives and seeing what works for you. And it would be a lie to say that emotional body mapping would work for everyone because if you're not connected to your memories, if you can't really tell where you feel pain in your body, probably won't work for you. Maybe EFT mixed with TRE would be good. Um, So like, it's really uh, finding that mixture of, Uh, physical health right exercise nutrition and what works for you there and again there is no paleo is the way you know like it's it's really got to be listened and tune into what like what does your body need what are the extra vitamins and nutrients that your body is asking for so I think step one is just learning to give yourself space and time 
whoever you are at whatever place you are in your journey of discovery is learning how to listen, right? Like, I think that would be step one that I would say, yeah, at any point, like, the alcoholic, the first way that the alcoholic is going to find healing is recognizing they're an alcoholic, Mm -hmm. right? So the same thing would go for any kind of thing that you're trying to heal in your life. Now, this is why people hire coaches. This is why people hire therapists because your perspective has been your perspective your whole life. You can't have another one. Hmm. And sometimes we do serve to have outside perspectives just to see things differently. Because how can you ask any new questions if you only can see what you can see? Hmm. Even I go to people, even I have my, my like community of help. And without my community... Like, like even just recently, right before we got on this call, I was saying how my husband was the one who <laughs> got to help me get out of my zero focus um, recently. Hmm. So I think even still to this day, without other perspectives, um, the healing wouldn't happen for me. So I think that, yeah, finding the people that you like the questions they ask, hmm. it gets you. And you feel like you could trust them. Mm-hmm. I think that those, t- and that you feel like you um, validate their belief systems and their morals and their values, and that all feels good and aligned with you. Mm-hmm. Then I would work with them. If you have any hesitation of those three things, you probably shouldn't work with them. So, <laughs> you know. I would, I would. I would add to that kind of a more specific, this is along the same lines. Um, if, if you like someone's questions, one reason to like them is because they make you uncomfortable. Um, they are challenging who you think you are. And that, but that's just basically bringing up the patterns or the unconscious memories that you're not aware of. So um, uh, Brooke mentioned earlier about, you know, uh, let's say with the sugar addiction, you're like, let's say you're 40 and you're like, oh my God, I've been like, you know, gorging on donuts like every morning on the way to work or going to Starbucks and drinking like a big thing of sugar loaded coffee. I'm just learning about and this a donut. And donut, yeah, whatever they have at Starbucks. I don't know. I haven't been there in years. So um, 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 the if someone's if, if someone's will say like, so you eat sugar, okay. Hmm, why is that? You're immediately, I will say for, okay, I'll show you my experience. My body reaction is like literally tenses up. My shoulders go like this. I'm like, I can literally feel like, like my arms are locked in place. It's like, I don't want to answer this. Then it's like, Ooh, I like you. That is now, my- is it too uncomfortable or is it just the right comfortable? Because for me, that would be too uncomfortable. And I would feel like they weren't asking the right question in a way that felt like they were compassionate. So like for me, I require compassionate questioning. And that's the only way that I'm comfortably vulnerable 
And like, I feel like being vulnerable is uncomfortable enough. Like whatever I'm going to respond, I'm going to be uncomfortable. If it's like, if it's a good question, it's going to be an uncomfortable answer. So <laughs> like, uh-huh. it's more, where do I feel when I'm responding as much as like, um, uh, not as much. What do I feel when they ask me a question? And that's just a personal thing. So I just figured giving you a different perspective because this might be the case for other people too um, who are listening. Yeah, (laughs) I'm going to give um, a very concrete example. Um, I was doing this uh, timeline therapy exercise where you basically go back and visit memories while visualizing a timeline of your life. And I was asked to go down into memory and I was supposed to be asked um, is the belief still there? Like the belief I had. And then I was asked, is the emotion still there? Well, it wasn't about the emotion. So I was like, like literally my whole body went, and I was like, do you mean the, I mean, I was conscious. Uh, how can I put this? I've done these kind of, um, this kind of thera- thera- therapeutic exercises and examining my own past enough. And I'm consciously aware of what's going on. If that makes sense. And I'm like, do you mean the belief? And then my coach is like, oh, yes, I'm sorry, the belief. I was like, can we do this again? She's like, yeah, I'm completely sorry. We were just rolling with the, uh, we were rolling with the emotions right before this and we just switched our beliefs. I'm like, it's no problem. But I definitely felt, it was definitely over the edge. I mean, I am all about as much uncomfortableness as possible. Then I'm like, ooh, my body doesn't like this. My unconscious is like, no, do not answer this. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to. And then I do, then it's like a huge, however in that moment as Brooke is is saying here you just know I was like oh my god like what is this literally my body was like contorting like a um, what are they called the contortionist and I'm like this is this is not I mean I've done the thing with like arms up in the air like whoa and things like that I've had I've had some interesting body reactions but when I'm doing like a contortionist like a the, the circus circus person I'm like this is too much like do you mean this instead so anyway that was my concrete example and it was no it was no one's fault it just happened and I do it I get I I'm feel and receive very often a push in massage I get massages Mm. often like Mm. weekly Mm. (laughs) and learning how to speak up for myself is a this is a great place to practice this Mm. because if they go too far I think very often we as clients feel like we're supposed to just be quiet and receive like when you go for a massage like Mm. just be quiet and close your eyes right and so we'll like take something that might be painful and not in a good kind of pain Mm. right the same way like for body and massage and learning how to speak up and be like excuse me that's a little too much or could you move like starting there like is a really I think like receiving physical pain almost is a really good way to practice how to speak up for the emotional pain too Mm. like because it almost has a very similar response in our body we start to recognize oh this tension happens Mm. here totally uh so i I was i was gonna ask um so we're we're on the theme right now where each each individual is different there's so many different modalities or ways to um 
uh, what's the word, heal or improve your, become a better human being. Some are just straight up logical questions, like sitting down with a piece of paper and a pen. Some are like, let's go with the chakras and ex examine your um, energy centers and things like that. That gets I mean, a little too woo-woo for me most of the time. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I'm going to add again, like I did at the beginning. Um, I didn't know what the word woo-woo was until I met Brooke. And then I was like, because it was just so out of my experience. I had no idea what this emotional, free-flowing... The first thing that came to my head was South Park, uh, Tree Hugging Hippies from Cartman. And I was like, okay, what is this really? I mean, I, I don't want to... Well, of course I judged it when I first heard about it. I was like, what the fuck is this? And um, being who I was like four years ago or whatever. And um then i looked into it i'm like oh my god and then over time like oh there's just everyone with the same goal in the end which is to um heal this person or bring whatever trauma they have and let it go so they can move on with their relationship their business their life whatever the point is or whatever the uh, uh area of life is all of us in general are just trying to figure out how to heal ourselves right like because yeah. this is the only person we can heal like as ourself right we can't really heal anybody else we can't do any other things we can facilitate it but still they do it even when it comes to massaging someone you can't massage a muscle that doesn't want to be massaged the muscle will just stay tight so the same thing goes for any kind of like practices it's like it's not going to happen right unless but this is also where we find like everyone again is trying to figure out how to have personal power right like and that's really the end end all is like how can you find power within yourself mm -hmm. and not feel like anyone else or anything else is taking your power away mm -hmm. so like really the first question of all healing is who or what am i giving my power to uh, oh uh, I'm, I'm gonna stop myself because i did a whole video about how to recognize who's getting the power and what exactly that means. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. Um, so um, I think a good place to close here would be to, for those who like what they're hearing on this podcast, feel like, oh my God, this brick lady, she's awesome. Oh, she's so awesome. I mean, I think so. Um, or if you're like, oh my God, this Tom guy, he's, he's really cool. I like what he's doing. If you like what we're hearing, um, um, I'll give mine first, which, which modalities or which methods personally um, have um, helped me expedite the process of becoming a human being, a better human being. Um, we, all, we all have that potential. It's just some methods work better than others. Sometimes there's trial and error. Sometimes it's like you just meet someone because the universe, God, whatever, you know, the, the all elusive Buddha, whatever word you use for the flying spaghetti monster. Like, something hey, was meant to be. Something was meant to be and you're like, boom, first time you got it. Um, whatever. I think um, I will say right now two things. Um, there's this uh, red dragon poster. Um, when I had my um, identity crisis, when I first met Brooke, I actually saw this dragon pop up in my head. When I was, I, my eyes were closed. I literally saw these two claws open up this door, like moving boulders. And then I found this dragon, like then I found mm -hmm. it online. So looking at this dragon and then I just breathe and go, what can I do today? Or I just ask myself some questions, like something like that. What can I do to make someone else's life better? What can I do today? Or what could I have done better today? Something like that while looking at this. This was the symbol I was presented with 
My tongue has gone off. The symbol I was presented with. The other one is, um, I will just mention, um, using timeline therapy, which is just visualizing a timeline. I'm a very visual person. Um, and like, um, and just exa literally examining um, events in the past and future to um, let go of emotions when they first popped up and understanding what I learned. So my, my two things are visual learning with the symbol, which I actually popped up in my head. Thank you, Dragon. And um, the NLP, NLP timeline therapy are my personal modalities. And yourself? Uh, you know, for me, I receive, like I said, I was like, body work is a huge part. So I can't say that receiving physical healing isn't a part of my healing practice. Like for me, I believe in, in just as much the, the cerebral and heart space healing as I do our physical body healing. And, and I feel like in order to have the healing that I have had, it required both at the mm. same time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like focusing on my health because I do feel like sometimes people get too much up here and they're still overweight and not exercising or just like not leaving the house. And, and if you're stagnant physically, you're, you're never going to move emotionally either. So, um, so for me, I'm going to say like physical health, um, was a huge shift for me. Um, just as much as, uh, learning, um, neuro-linguistic programming definitely is a part of it. Uh, learning some theories on Buddhism was a big part for me and like mindfulness. Um, in general and just like what does mindfulness mean uh and then simply for me like the as soon as i started you know accessing just giving myself simple questions in the beginning of the day like who or what am i giving my power to or um using my shower to wash away like my judgment uh and 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 doing simple uh activities like this, that's when I started seeing a shift. And for me, it was only a shift when it became consistent. Mm. So like physical exercise didn't really, I didn't see a shift until I was consistent with it. Um, receiving body work, I didn't see a shift until I received it regularly. Um, Buddhism and these kind of mindfulness, I didn't really see a shift until I did it consistently uh and each one of them I would say like the beginning was really hard and I didn't really see the point of a lot of them <laughs> um so I think that that's really important to like notice and like for yourself if you are starting any of these things it doesn't always mean that the beginning you see any kind of immediate results and mm. I do think it's about having it's kind of like learning any kind of anything at the beginning it's not that easy and, that mm. it's easy. and, and healing yourself and learning how to connect to your emotions and learning how to communicate in a more effective way these are learned skills mm. and they take time <laughs> mm, mm, mm. and that's okay oh i yeah i just uh as you mentioned i forgot to add the uh the uh the the timeline therapy is really a thing of the mind um, per mm -hmm. se, whereas the 
the dragon thing is more of a thing of faith for me personally. Um, um, like I said in the very beginning, when I first when I first talked to Brooke and she's like, "Oh, my freak, uh, my best friend was a tree." Before that moment, I actually said the words, "I allow myself to be completely guided," because I was just so going so crazy. And so, um, faith, whatever you put your faith in, whether it's science, a god, no god, um, or if if you're consist if you consistently, as Brooke says, if you consistently do it things will happen. Well, so. faith in it of itself is an action. And it also like you could replace that word with trust, right? So like, yeah, and, if yeah. you, and if you don't trust something, then you probably don't trust yourself. Because they're generally very much in line with one another. So having trust in something allows you to have more trust in yourself and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm like, oh, oh God, I love these podcasts because they just bring up so many things. Um, I'll just bring up a quick thing I learned that has worked for some people I worked with. There's, um, there's like a hierarchy of trust. I learned the word power. Um, is first is to trust yourself. Then you can trust your higher power, whatever you call it, which is the thing you can't prove logically. And then the third one is others. So if you believe in yourself first, then um, that is the most important thing. I mean, and they're all, they're all interconnected. Howard, first, believe in yourself. If you don't believe you can do it, no higher power, no other person's gonna make it happen. And this is very, yeah. very vague, and someday I'll make it more if concrete. You, if you find that you're a person who's defensive by nature and has issues trusting one another, start with yourself. Mm -hmm. And it means being a person of your word. Mm -hmm. And that's how you begin to trust yourself. <laughs> and I'm going to I'm going to end this part right here, actually, with um, as they do in the Kung Fu Panda movie. If you haven't seen it, it's all about getting the secret dragon scroll, which when they actually open it up, it's just a reflection of whoever's looking at it. So it's like the person with the most and it's like whoever has the scroll has the most the the most powerful secret in the universe. And it's like, pew, believe in yourself. That's all it is. So, um, and uh, when it's happened, it's, it's awesome. If, if it hasn't happened, it's confusing. Um, and that is part of the journey. So if you're confused, congratulations. If yeah, you learned, you're doing if you, a great job. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you're confused, it's awesome. <laughs> hmm. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. If anyone is interested in the work that I do, I have a Facebook group called Emotional Body Mapping for the Mindful Modern Nomad. Emotionalbodymapping.com is my website. I do one-on-one -on -one coaching both in the Emotional Body Mapping Healing, but also for holistic businesses trying to get up and learning a bit about marketing and branding and all that kind of jazz. So uh, feel free to message Tom or look up these places that I told you to go. Obviously, we're on Instagram and Pinterest and YouTube and all of that. But I will just give you two places. It's easier. And <laughs> In the description of this podcast, both on my website and on uh, iTunes, you will find all that info to click and check it out. All right, Brooke, thanks Thank for being here. Bye. Bye.